But what Paul read, Elder Paul read on his iPad, um, very cool. What Paul just read was a three-sentence introduction. All of that, as you look at your Bible, in the original language, when the Apostle Paul wrote that, was three sentences. How many sentences? Now, those are like long sentences with a lot of stuff in it. And so we've spent three Sundays uh, diving into, working through, uh, and today's the third Sunday on these sentences. Now, these sentences comprise an introduction. It's an introduction to the letter that he's writing to the believers in Colossae. Now, I don't know if you're like me at all, but introductions a lot of times, I don't know, I'm kind of like our necessary formalities where it's like, okay, okay, Paul, you love them. Like, let's get to the meat of what's happening here. Um, I've kind of, just as an illustration, I've kind of got here like a, an older birthday card I had received. You know, it's, it's a birthday card. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, just being totally transparent with you here, it's like, yeah, 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 blah, 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 you love me. It's like, that's the question, right? <laughs> like, just, just give, uh, am I that surfacey? Maybe sometimes. Uh, but that's kind of sometimes what it happens. And sometimes I'm saying we approach biblical letters like that. Like, yeah, 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 paragraph, paragraph, paragraph. Let's get onto the meat of what you're talking about here so we can dive into it. Uh, but this introduction here to Colossians and uh, like the other introductions are absolutely critical in grabbing a hold of insight into what's Paul trying to say, why this information. And so the reason we've spent three Sundays on this is I don't want to just blow by this introduction, but let's get into it here. Let's get into the meat, but there's meat in the introduction. Now, now today as we go in this, I just want to say, uh, I want for all of us to walk away from this passage uh, understanding how to better pray and understanding how to better live, okay? Pray and live. In fact, here's a key statement for today. You pray what you live for. Let me say that again. You pray what you live for and you live what you pray for. Follow with me here. Uh, Karen and I were talking this week, and I was just asking her, what do you think things are common as we, as we pray and we hear people pray? What are some of the things that we pray? So this isn't my Letterman 10, but maybe the Helmer 6. Here we go. Here's some of them. Uh, that they would have a good day. We pray God that they would have a good day. Here's another one. We pray God that they would make good decisions, that we would make good decisions. That's a great thing. Both of those are great to pray for. Uh, third, uh, I pray that they'd have good health. I love good health, and in fact, today I'm not in good health. Uh, I got the cold going on and kind of a bit fuzzy uh, with all of that, but uh, good health is a good thing. Here's a fourth one, travel mercies. Our daughter and son-in-law are here and her grandson and traveled from Washington, D.C., and it's like, God, give them travel mercies. Uh, another one is that they would have, uh, that they do well on their test, that they'd have success on their test, or uh, that, 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 that I or my husband or my wife or this person would have success at work. And then the last one is, God, we pray that you would be with them. Pray that you would bless them. I think those are common things that we all pray for. True? Uh, is it true? Okay, True. Now, let's kind of think about this. We, we pray for those things. Let's work that back. I made this statement, you pray what you live for. What do people generally live for? 
I think people in general live for good days, like uh, days without problems, uh, weekends. <laughs> people live for the weekends or when they're off work. Another one is, is people live for good decisions. And what we mean by that is when they work out well, as defined by me, and if it turns out for my good. Another is uh, uh, people live for healthy days. Um, Again, health is great. But it's really interesting sometimes, just straight up with you. It's kind of like we think we're never going to die. Uh, fourth, uh, we, prayed for, we pray for mercy-filled, safe days. Kind of like if we have delays in life, complications in life, or accidents in life, it's all gone to Hades. We pray for successful days, good grades and good work success. And we pray for God to be with us. Like, is he not at times? Hey, I I just kind of want to bring this in. Seriously, making an honest, transparent look at myself. Look at us. What we pray for tells what we live for. And what we're living for shows up in what we pray. And here I want to remind us that these first three sentences of what's taking place, the first sentence is the, the kind of the setting of the stage, but these, the second, verse 3 through 8, and verse 9 through 14, those two sentences are prayers. Are what? They're a prayer of Paul and Timothy. They're praying these things. And I will say what Paul prays for here shows what he lives for here. And we're gonna unfold this today and see what's happening. With that in mind, let me pray and then let's dig in some more. God, I just pray for your help here as we dig into your word. I pray for your help here. Just honestly, one, I'm just not feeling well and just kind of in a bit of a fog here. Um, but it's not about me, it's about you. It's about the clarity of your word. Um, Would you just do a work? And Lord, we pray that your word would be sweet to our ears. We have a lot to learn. And I just pray right now in these next 30 or so minutes that we um, we would just take this in that we would be vulnerable before you, honest before you. And that we would hear from you. More of you, Lord. More of you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's uh, do a little bit of a summary. Verses three through eight, last Sunday, we spent the time verses three through eight. It's one sentence and you can take a look at it and it starts out, it says, we thank God. Uh, This is a prayer and it's a thanks thanks prayer. It's a we're thanking God prayer. And in it here, there's three realities that he's praying for the believers in Colossae. The first is praying for their faith in Christ Jesus. If you're here last week, uh, I talked with you about some of the things as to uh, that, that faith is not. Faith is not uh, some leap in the dark. Faith is not a, oh, gee, golly wish, I hope. Let's cross all our limbs and hope it turns out right. Like I know nothing about it. The faith in the scriptures is an evidence-based faith. It's like just, 
don't, don't, don't give me the feeling you feel this. Don't give me that you grew up with this. Give me some facts. Give me some reality. And we talked last Sunday about why, uh, why I believe this is unlike any other book in all of human history, unlike anything fact-wise. And we talked about Jesus Christ, why Jesus Christ, fact-wise on the statistics, is unlike any person that has ever lived in all of known human history. And you must pay attention to those kinds of things. This is not a, gee, let's cross our fingers, hope it all works out. That's not biblical faith. It's not, I believe it just because that's what my parents believed. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's faith, and it's faith not in a belief system. It's not faith in an ideology. It's not faith in a, in a denomination. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I'm Methodist. Well, I'm Lutheran. Well, I'm Episcopal. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm non-denominationalist. Uh, nowhere in the scriptures does it say be a faith in one of those. It's a faith in what? Christ Jesus. That's the issue. That's the point. Uh, that's what whatever church you're going to should be all about is Christ Jesus because it's faith in Christ Jesus and that faith is to be lived out, we saw last Sunday. Verse four, it also not only on faith in Christ but love for all the saints. It's not, Paul's not saying, man, I'm so thankful that you guys love world peace. He's not saying, I'm so thankful that you guys even love going to church. He's not saying, I'm so thankful you guys love kitty cats. He's not saying that. He's saying, I'm so thankful that you love one another. And by the way, biblically, love is not an emotion first. Emotions are part of it. Love the emotions of it all. But real love, biblical love, is an action first. That's why if you are even, say, new here for the first time on this Sunday, and you are someone that's redeemed in Christ, and there is someone in front of you, back you, around you, that you've never met before in your entire life, you know what? You can love them. Not because you feel them, but because they are a brother, sister in Christ, and you can serve one another whether I know you or not. That's biblical love. And Paul and Timothy are going, man, you guys are living out. I'm so thankful. You're living out faith in Christ for real. And you're loving the saints. And then third, it talks about a hope laid up in heaven. Again, not like a gee golly wish, I hope this all turns out and this makes it worth it. But it's talking about a hope that's laid up in heaven. Last week, we talked about the term that's used there. It's reserved for your name is on it. It's a layaway. It's there. It's in heaven. It's not a hope in the here and now. Because friends, the hope in the here and now will always disappoint And I talked last week about how too often we put our hope on people. And I just, it's, I'll say it again, it's not fair. It's not fair when I do that. It's not fair when you do that because another person cannot be your hope. They will always disappoint because God has given us a desire for a hope that only he can satisfy, that only he can fill. And that's why it's a hope that's laid up in heaven and that hope that's laid up in heaven that's secured for you if you know Christ as your savior impacts how you and I live today. I live in light of that. Uh, everything of looking to that changes the here and now. It's promised, it's real, it's reserved and it's beyond your and my wildest dreams. 
Lastly, with that, I made mention that the form of the terminology in the Greek, hope is causal. That means that hope causes faith. Hope causes that love. And if you and I sit and we go, man, I got a a little faith and little love, it's because you have a little hope laid up in heaven. It's because, honestly, the here and now is more important than what's coming. And so if I want to grow in my faith and if I want to grow in loving other people, then I need to be the kind of person, you need to be the kind of person that grasps in greater depth the hope that's laid up for you and I, guys. I'm telling you, it's awesome. It rocks what's coming. We live a dot on a line of eternity. And what's coming is awesome. And what's coming, this is all prep for that. And we, man, this is awesome, you guys, right here and now. That's the kind of stuff that should crank us up to have increased faith in Christ and love for the saints. Well, that was last Sunday. Now think about this before we get into the next sentence here for today. Paul is praying that. And what Paul is not praying is this. Paul is not praying, Lord, I pray that the believers in Colossae have a good day. Lord, I beg of you, we pray together. I pray that they make right decisions today, that turn out that they buy the right home and get the right car and they choose the right job. God, I pray that the believers in Colossae would have good health today. And God, I pray for the, 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 the travel mercies on Epaphras who traveled 1,200 miles to come and come to see me and God, I pray that they would have good grades in Colossae and they'd hit their sales marks and their production quotas. And and God, most of all, I pray that you would bless them. What's God supposed to do with that? By the way, I'm bringing this, I'm being very transparent with you. I am not saying don't pray those things. I am saying that those oftentimes, way too often, become all our prayers. And doesn't it just honestly sound kind of wimpy? I mean, we're just praying that people have no problems and no clutter in their life. But in verses 3 through 8, here's what Paul is saying. Oh God, I thank you that the believers in Colossae Lord God, I thank you that they are living an evidence-based faith, substantiated-based faith, real-deal faith in Christ Jesus. Oh God, I thank you that they're being that. And oh God, I thank you that these are the kind of people that are really real-deal, not just faking it. They are really loving on one another, side by side, life on life. They're loving one another. God, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that they are the kind of people that genuinely, for real, we're not just making this up. Paul wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. I'm thanking you, God, that they are like convinced and just cranked up about the hope that's laid up for them in heaven. And God, that hope that they have, that security they have, it's changing how they live today. God, thank you for that. And God, would you please give them a good day? (laughs) Hey, I'll say this, more of that kind of praying harvest more of that kind of praying. And if you're praying for someone who does not know Christ, 
Then pray, Lord, I pray that they would come to understand what faith in Christ is all about. Oh, Lord God, I pray that they would come to understand what faith in you is all about and that they would come to understand what loving your people is all about and that they'd get off of themselves and love other people. Even in their health situation, God, would you increase their faith in you and would you help them love people as they're in the hospital? And God, may they remember that they have a hope in you, secured in you. May help them understand all. That, that's a, more of that harvest, right? More of that kind of praying, right? Okay, let's move on. Sentence number three. All right, sentence number three. This is going to be a different Sunday, all right? I had some choices to make on kind of how we would go from here with this, but um, uh, today's going to be a little bit of a class together almost. And I've got some tools for you. One is on the screen. We have the text, verses 9 through 14. By the way, all of that is one crazy long sentence in the Greek. <laughs> this is lawyer sentences. I don't know if you've ever, in my past, I read through lawyer work. Oh, bless you guys, it's hard to wear lawyers. <sighs> um... But it's just like, you read these sentences, semicolon and colon and dashes and hyphens. And after a while, you're like, I have so lost what you are even talking about uh, in this. And I think that's some of the reasons why, lawyers, you do that. Um, <laughs> but, but this is one sentence in the Greek. That means a definition of a sentence is a word or words that comprise one unified thought. That means all of this is one unified thought. And when you look at something like that, you go, oh, poof, this is too big for me to grab a hold of. Where is he going with this? Actually, it's not that hard. So we've got the script. The, the text up here on the screen, you've got your Bibles, I trust, on your lap. I've also uh, put together for you a handout that you should have in your update. Um, and if you don't have one of these, I think we've got a couple guys here. Just walk down the aisle, and Lisa, you're a guy for us. Lisa's one of the guys. And uh, flag them down, grab one of these, because you'll want this. Uh, this is class time, if you will, today, a little bit different, just us together, because I want to equip you. This is one of these passages that can be used to help you understand how to study God's word as a lay person. You don't have to have a seminary, a master's degree, doctorate degree to do this kind of stuff. This was probably the most beneficial kind of stuff that I learned in all of my seminary studies, okay, and my doctoral studies so far. Probably the most important thing I learned is uh, what's on here is the exact text of the verses, no added words in it. And when you go through and you think out a long text like this, you ask the question, what is this saying? And you begin to break it down and work it out. And I want for you to know all through Colossians, this is a massive part of my preparation. And so when I put points together for you, if it's three or four points, I just like, I'm not the kind of pastor preacher who's like making up my own points. I want the text to preach it because that dog hunts, <laughs> okay? So let's let it hunt. I don't need to hunt for it. All right, and so follow along with this. This is a tool for you. Uh, I did this myself, and then I decided, you know what? I'm just gonna take you behind the curtain, see some of the tools that I use that you can use to help you grab a hold of God's word and understand it in increasing ways. And so we're gonna do this together. All right, you ready? No, you're not. You ready? All right, because uh, you're gonna need to talk with me as we go through here. Okay, let's start with the beginning of the text. First words. And so, 
from the day, what verse are we in, by the way? Okay, just want to make sure you're with me. Uh, and so from the day we, who's we? Paul and Timothy. Okay, we talked about that the two Sundays ago and also referred to it last week. The we, go to verse one, is Paul and Timothy. Paul is the human author of this. This is God's word written down through the apostle Paul. And so from the day we heard, we heard. That's an interesting, why doesn't it say, and so from the day we talked with you, from the day we had a meeting together. Well, the reason it's so, and so from the day we heard is because Paul has never been to Colossae. Uh, Paul, from what we know, Paul was not from Colossae, that the church in Colossae, we believe, got started from Epaphras. Look at verses seven and eight, uh, likely when Paul was doing ministry in Ephesus. And so uh, Epaphras, a layman, how cool is this? A layman hears the gospel, hears the, what's going on, goes back to his hometown and tells other people about it. And a church is built out of this lay guy, so very cool, in Colossae that's, that's going on. And so Paul and Timothy have not been there with these folks, but that's why they say, and we heard we heard, and it's from Epaphras, you can see in verse 8 there up above. What have they heard? Well, we've, uh, and so, I'm sorry, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased. Now, what does not ceased mean? Okay, yeah, it's ongoing. It's not just been once, it's not been twice, but it's like, it's not ceased. <laughs> okay? It's not ceased to do something. Do what? Pray. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. Now, is this saying like other passages in Scripture talk about? Um, man, my tongue just got caught up there. Uh, other passages in Scripture where uh, we see, you know, pray without ceasing. Is that what this is saying? Uh, actually, I don't think so. Uh, why do you say that? I'm bringing this up because we're working it the way we are. Oh, look at the text. And we have not ceased to pray. Uh, by the way, pray for what? Pray for you, so that you are the believers in Colossae. Um, Doug, you're like, oh, this is all duh stuff at this point. Hey, we're doing it together, all right? Uh, pray for you, and we're, what kind of prayer? An asking prayer. This is absolutely huge here. Because what I'm going to do here right now is, what's the big picture of this ginormous sentence? And it starts out with, uh, we ask. We ask. By the way, if you're here last Sunday, verse three, what, what's that? We what? We thank. Verses three through eight, Paul is saying, hey, we thank in prayer. And now verses nine through 14 is, we ask in prayer. I could talk more on that, but we just need to get going. It's very cool. The fact that the Apostle Paul is praying to God in light of what we talked about in verse one when the Apostle Paul wanted to kill believers. And here he is now. Not, I would understand why the Apostle Paul would thank God, <laughs> but now the Apostle Paul is asking of God That's awesome. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, pray for you asking. That's the main thing. We pray for you 
asking. That's the main thrust of this whole sentence that's taking place. As I said, verse three through eight is we thank God for your faith in Christ, your love for the saints, your hope in what's coming. We pray for you asking, asking what? Uh, Asking that you may be filled. Okay, so obviously their love cup is empty. Or maybe they're like uh, out of gas and they need more gas. Or maybe they're low on blood sugar or something like that. And they need some more sugar. They need to get filled up. That's instantly what we kind of think of. Well, it makes sense. We asking that you may be filled like they're lacking something. Uh, Hang on, we'll we'll fill that in. Uh, Why filled? Um, uh, Why be filled? Look at verse 10. Just jump ahead. I want to give you the big picture. So as to. That's a purpose statement. We want you to be filled so as to do what? Walk and walk in a manner. It's, it's a definite, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's a manner, not in lots of manners. Here's the thrust of the whole sentence, you guys. They are praying, asking God that the believers in Colossae would be filled so that their lives would look differently that their lives would look like a particular thing, that they would look in a certain manner that they would walk. I'll just say, this is the entire Christian life right there. God wants to redeem you, change you, so that you become living, walking like something. Okay, that's the big picture. Now let's fill in what's happening here. And you can go on, whether it's looking on the screen, looking in your Bible, looking at that sheet, or with all of those, you can take a look. Uh, I get pray, and I, and I get what asking is. But pray asking to be filled, what does that mean? Well, filled is not meaning like you're low on something and you need to be filled up. Filled instead, in the Greek, has to do with this idea of being controlled by. Well, Doug, now you're just making stuff up. Now you're just kind of tweaking it to what you want it to, to say and to mean. No, no, I'm not, because even in the English, I can uh, make it this way. Filled means filled up. But filled also means controlled by. Prove it, Doug. Okay, can't do game on. I am filled with rage. Right? That means rage is coming in and I'm just so overtaking. It's, it's so controlling me that everything I see and everything I'm about to be doing is controlled by that rage. I'm filled with joy. Joy, joy, joy. And everything I do right at that time is coming out of being filled with joy. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because I'm being controlled by joy. I'm controlled by fear. I'm filled with fear, mommy. Listen, there is no boogeyman. It's all right, dude. No, but (laughs) we can be controlled by fear, the fear of man. This has the idea, and just trust, please trust me on this, that, that this word, whenever you see it in scripture, is the same thing, be filled with the spirit. It doesn't mean that you only have 75% of the spirit and you need to get the 95% of the spirit. It always biblically has this idea of being controlled by. You have 100%, you need to be a person that is more in control by that. And that's what it's being talking about here. Paul is praying to God for these believers saying, God, oh, I pray that they would be controlled by so that their life would look different. Now the question, controlled by what? Well, let's look at the text. Controlled by, I know, spiritual voodoo stuff. 
You know, like uh, they need to be more controlled by like some spiritual experience, you know, where they're like all, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> all weirded out. Is, is that what the text tells us? Look at what the text says. That you may be filled with what? Knowledge. Hey, friends, this is one of the things that I absolutely love about God and his word. Christianity is for thinking people. The Christian life is for people that want to think, not necessarily for people that want to feel, but people that want to think. And here it's like, oh God, I'm praying for these believers in Christ that they would be controlled by knowledge. Okay, like what kind of knowledge? Jeopardy knowledge? Um, uh, what kind? Well, how about this? Let's look at the text. Knowledge. A knowledge in what? You tell me. In God's will. Do you see that? Is that right? It is. Knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding has to do with this, uh, uh, again, not a spooky thing. It has to do with this data, this information, this comprehensible uh, 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 knowledge that is able to be discerned and applied to real life. But by the way, do you see in the text, it's not just human wisdom and understanding, it's spiritual understanding. It's knowing who God is, what God desires of us, and what God says about how to do life. When I understand how God thinks, what God says, and who God is, that is the basis of wisdom and understanding on who God is, what God thinks, and what God desires. And then we have this statement of, well, let me just, let me just say, it's spiritual wisdom and understanding. I noted down here in my notes, not ESPN knowledge or HGTV knowledge, or science channel knowledge. Those can all be great knowledges, but it's not talking about that. It's also not talking about Jeopardy knowledge and, and test knowledge, and that's a really good thing, because I'm gonna tell you folks, being totally trans, I really am not a test guy. I am just not an academic guy by nature. Someday, if I finish my doctorate, all doctors will be downsized when I accomplish that, because it's just a lesson in perseverance with that. And I'm not a fill in the blank person. And if you were to ask me right now, hey, Doug, you're a pastor. Start from Isaiah and list in order all the Old Testament passages in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Go to your contents page. I can't do it. Oh, I've just so lost respect for you. That's all right. I don't function, I'm just gonna tell you, I don't function, I used to know it. But when someone says go to Obadiah, I go to the contents page. Oh, but I can, I know right where Obadiah, well, good for you. (laughs) I'm genuinely happy for you. But it doesn't make you more spiritual. As in not knowing it doesn't make it more spiritual. Maybe I shouldn't have told that, I lost everybody's respect today. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm working with my kids to learn this. I don't know, maybe you're the one, we were out with someone, this is totally off notes. We were, we were out with someone in there talking about the presidents. Oh, I know the order of the presidents. It's everybody singing the presidents. Hamilton. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So turn to Zechariah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Okay, I'm back on. Okay, so it's not talking about knowledge like you can fill in the blank knowledge about God and his word. That is not wisdom. That can help with wisdom. But it talks about this knowing his will. Knowing his will. So Doug, you can know God's will? Hey, uh, could... Can, can we all agree it says that in the text? Knowledge of his will. That means that we can have knowledge of God's will. So if God says we're to have knowledge of his will, and yet we really can't have knowledge of his will, I would just conclude then that God is very unloving. You don't ask something of somebody with knowing that it's absolutely impossible for them to be able to do that. What God expects, God equips. And when God says that you can know his will, you can know his will. Now, here's what's going on right now. In our minds, when we talk about knowing God's will, that's every little decision. That's how we think. Well, God's will is about, should I buy the blue house or the red house? Should I buy the ranch or the two-story? Should I buy this car or that car or should I lease? Should I go to that school or that school? Should I get the job in Michigan or should I take the job in Minnesota? And we think that's what God's will is. That's dot living. That's this idea that we think that if we're in the, the wrong spot, that God has one place for us to be. And if we're not in that spot, At that time, we are out of God's will. Okay. You need to get a book called Way of Wisdom by James McDonald. It's the best book I've written. I've written. (laughs) (laughs) Plagiarized. (laughs) It's the best book I've read on this specific topic. The Way of Wisdom by James McDonald. I'm not saying that's James's book is the book just because he's part of Harvest. I'm saying that because it's the best book I've written on the topic on more in this will of God. I said it again, didn't I? <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the medication. <laughs> okay, so, but Way of Wisdom, James McDonald, I encourage you to read it. It'll fill out more. I just don't have the time to get into it, but let me kind of bring it into this. We pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. How can I know what God's will is? Answer. Right here. But Doug, it doesn't tell me which car to buy, which house to buy, which job to take, which person to marry. Well, that does. Well, No, we think end result. And God is interested in the process. Let me simply put it this way. Look at the text. 
What does the text say? And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner. Oh, by the way, that means that the knowledge of his will changes how you do life. Knowing God should show in your life. You should look differently, function differently, act differently, a certain manner. What's the next word say after manner? Huh? Oh, words. Keep going. Next. What's God's will? God's will is exactly that. That's, that's like such a platitude. No, it's not. Here, what's God's will? God's will is that you live in a way that is worthy of him pleasing to the Lord. The goal of life is to please God, period. And you can please him in a BMW convertible and you can please him in a Yugo, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You can please him in a big house. You can please him in a little house. You could not please him in a big house and you cannot please him in a little house. You can please him if you're an engineer in Michigan or you can please him if you're a carpenter in Minnesota. I'll just put it this way. I'm very blunt, just us talking. Who cares what job and where? Because you can do God's will wherever, doing whatever. Got it? We think the decision moments. And that's not what it's talking about here. Here's the God's will. God's will number one is that you would come to know him as your savior. God's will is that you would be redeemed. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That because of our sin, we've been separated in relationship with God. God loves you. God desires to have you be a part of him and everything about him. And yet he's not going to force you. But he'd let you know, listen, you're separated from me because of sin. I would love to have you here. And in fact, I would love to have you here so much that you can't even work to get here. That I have sent my son, the second person of the Trinity, to die in your place. That as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. As many as received him. Listen, it is your choice. God's will first starts with coming into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And then after that, God's will for you is that you please him. Hey, students, can you please God at Purdue and IU? Okay, yes, you can. Let's not get the (laughs) college battles. You can. Can you please God if you go to college or if you don't go to college? You can. That's what this is talking about. Knowledge of his will. Doug, can you give me a little bit more beef than that? A little bit more specificity than that? Help me measure this. What does that then look like? Well, I can't, but God's word can. And so here's what's so cool. Let's keep going in the text. So as to walk. Walk how? In a worthy manner, pleasing to the Lord. And how does that look? Four things in the text. 
Here we go. Number one, light it up. <laughs> bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. You can see it in the text. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit in what? Okay, one more time. Bearing fruit in? Every good work. So there are bad works and good works. No, no, no. What the text is saying is in this idea is that you are to be going through life. The goal of life is to please the Lord. That means that everything I do, everywhere I go, every opportunity I have is an opportunity to please him or not please him. And God is wanting us to go through life knowing him more, understanding him more, getting a grasp of it. Listen, we can't know what God wants us to do until we know what God wants us to do and be. That's why we go to the word of God and learn from that. And then as we live life, we're living this way through the lens of scripture. Hey, this is not spiritual time and then lunch is some other time. This is spiritual time. Lunch is spiritual time. This afternoon is spiritual time. This evening is spiritual time. When you go to bed, is spiritual time. When you sleep, is spiritual time. When you wake up in the morning and you get ready to go to work, that's a spiritual moment right there because why are you getting up and going to work? When you're in the car driving and that blessed person cuts you off in front of you, <laughs> that's an opportunity to please the Lord. You see, life changes in a whole nother way. Bearing fruit, there should literally be a Hansel and Gretel little litter of little ever, good fruit all the way because all of life is an opportunity to plant one more opportunity to please the Lord in this. God, grow me in it. Allow me to love on other people in it. Bearing fruit, and it talks about that in every good work. So bearing fruit in every good work, and what's the next one? And increasing Increasing. Okay, so I'm to be bearing fruit and I'm to be increasing. Increasing in what? In the knowledge of God. This comes right back to the thing. Listen, if I'm going to be a bearing fruit person and a bearing fruit, a lot of fruit person, that means I have to understand God more and more and more. And this is where I understand God more and more and more. And as you work life through and you look back and you go, man, I copped an attitude right there, didn't I? Whoa, I wonder what God has to say about how it could help me with that. And we go to the word. And as time as we learn more from the word, I just say, if you're not in the word, you are not going to be increasing in the knowledge of God. If you're not going to this buffet, you're starving Marvin. And God wants you to know him more. Think about that. God wants you to know him increasingly so. That's what someone is living to please the Lord. They're bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, third, they're being strengthened. They're being strengthened. It says be strengthened in, in the form, it's a, it's a present participle. That means it has this idea of it's a continuing strengthening. You don't achieve it, it's always ongoing. By the way, it's also in the form of what's called a, a passive voice. That means that the strengthening is not your strength. That means, in other words, what I am not saying here and what scripture is not saying here is, listen, Christian, just buck it up and suck it up and get strong. It's not saying that at all. What the text is actually saying is, is as you are bearing fruit, and this is all holistically, not in a particular order, but as you're bearing fruit and good works, as you're getting to know God more, God is the one doing the strengthening. That's passive voice. It's happening upon you. 
God is strengthening you more. Is he? I mean, is life happening to where as time goes along, you go, my goodness, last year I would have just been like copping an attitude and blowing my mouth off at that. And then my goodness, I'm actually seeing some change happening in my life. How cool is that? That's the strengthening. It's happening. It's a God strengthening. And on the text, it says strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. It's not your might. It's God's might. And that's a good thing because God's got a lot of power. And it's God's strength. Uh, By the way, being strengthened for what? For all endurance and It's hard to endure, isn't it? And it's hard to be patient. Circumstances are hard to endure and people are hard to be patient with. And one of the signs of a person that is pleasing the Lord is as time moves on, they're enduring more and more through situations and circumstances that God has allowed in your life. And you're more and more patient with people. May I remind us of God's enduring patience with you and I. I remember for many years of my life when I was in business and I was sitting in your seat and I used to look at the pastor and it's like, oh man, he's got his act together. I changed that this morning. He doesn't even know the order of the minor prophets. (laughs) But God is so patient with you and me. I mean, the fact that he allows another day to go on and just doesn't crush you and I is stunning. And then you and I are so impatient with other people Shame on me. Shame on us. People that are understanding the God of the universe understand him more and more in his patience and his endurance. And out of that, I want to be more like that. And I got to stop being about me. More of that, right? Let's get off our train and let's get on his. Being strengthened, and lastly, we'll wrap it, with joy-giving thanks. May I remind us, Paul is writing this from jail. And by the way, I'm not talking jail that has a... um, cable networks and cafeterias. And I'm not bad-mouthing that. I'm just saying I'm talking like not a good scenario. And Paul is saying, God, I ask that they would be a joy-giving, thankful people. 
think he would know a little bit about that. Oh, by the way, thanks to whom? We don't have time to talk about the Trinity, but also look at it. Why the Father? Three things. Because the text tells us that the Father has qualified you. If you know Christ as your Savior, you've been qualified. I'd love to, I'd love to be in the Olympics. I've even skied. <laughs> but, but I'm not qualified. Do you realize that the Father is the one who qualifies unqualified people? And he qualifies unqualified people by, look at the text, to share in, his, in the inheritance. It's not like I, you're qualified to come in and you get like, you know, donuts. You're qualified to come in and you are sharing the inheritance. Qualified you. He's delivered you from darkness to his kingdom. It has this idea of he's drawn to him to yourself. I'm sorry, he's drawn you to himself. The father has done that. And it says he's transferred us, transferred us to the kingdom of his son, by the way. That statement is the transition statement for what we'll be talking about in the coming weeks in, in, the, in the centering of the son in this whole text. The kingdom of his son. He's transferred us. Why give thanks to the father? Because if you know Christ as your savior, if you've been redeemed through Jesus Christ, he has qualified you, delivered you, and transferred you and I, and my goodness, he deserves and we gotta give him our thanks. God, the father has done that, not one of his minions. Um, let's pray more like this. Lord God, I pray for our faith. Pray for our love. Pray for our hope. Lord God, I, I pray that we would just know your will. Oh yeah, I just pray that we would be more and more fulfilling your will to be pleasing to you every moment, every day, every situation. Lord, I pray that we would be bearing fruit. Oh God, I pray that we would be knowing you more. What's two more things we should be praying? You tell me. Mm. God, I pray that we would be strengthened not in ourselves, but being strengthened by you. Oh God, I pray that that would be happening. What's the next one? Mm. Lord God, thank you. You qualified me, the unqualified. You delivered me from hell. And you, God, transferred me to your kingdom. Wow, that's so much better, so much more rich, so much more awesome than 
God, would you bless them? Hey, let's pray more of that and let's live more of that. All right, together. Let me pray. Lord, um, thank you. God, I want to thank you for your enduring patience with us. Oh my goodness. Lord, thank you that you qualify the unqualified. And Father, I would pray... If there is anyone here in this room that doesn't know or is unsure about whether they know for sure, whether they have a relationship with you, whether they have uh, come to have that qualified by you, transferred by you, delivered by you, commitment, that driving stake in the ground decision to pursue you rather than themselves. I pray if that hasn't happened, Lord, that you would do a work in them, that they would seek us out. Seek someone out they came with and ask them more about this. Oh, Lord, I pray for those of us who have been redeemed in Christ that we would be face down. A people who understand that they only deserve hell and everything associated with it but instead by your grace you have allowed us to be qualified and transferred and delivered and a part of your inheritance oh god may we pursue you in an increasing manner this week. Yeah. More of that, Lord. Lots more of that, Lord, we pray. In your precious name, amen.